Why is it so cool to hate on Street Fighter V? Catalyst and I take a deeper dive into the particulars of why so many people like to hate on a title they continue to play. Plus, Team Ninja surprises EVO Japan staff by doing the thing they always do. New characters seem to be rising to the top of the Street Fighter competitive scene. Which games might and might not be at EVO 2019 and more on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How you doing, John? That I am. I have been listening to Sandstorm all morning, so that's how I'm yeah. doing. Uh, I just shared with him a trumpet rendition of it, like on a little kid's trumpet, and it sounds nearly as good as the original. So, um, yeah, look that up on YouTube, <laughs> but we we better not get off the rails already here. We uh, uh, might want to you know get back on subject. There's and, a lot to talk about yeah, this week. Yeah, definitely. Um, Capcom is pushing out like a lot of, of epic costumes right now. Uh, we got four of them today. Uh, we got Mega Man outfits for uh, um, Sakura and um, uh, Ryu. Uh, he got Mega Man proper. Uh, she got Roll. Um, and then you know we got uh, Gutsman here uh, not that long ago. Um, Zangief got some kind of like mask outfit, but um, anyway, and then uh, uh, I should of course include Alex players because they, they never get included in anything. But uh, he got a Leo costume from Red Earth, which basically makes him like a lion. It looks great, you know. Like uh, all these costumes look fantastic. Um, Street Fighter Five has really nailed it with that. But the thing that's kind of jumping out at me is this seems like we're getting a lot of content here. Uh, almost like Capcom is kind of flushing out like whatever they have left for Street Fighter V right now and just kind of getting it out there and, and saying, hey, you know, buy this right now Why the game is still maybe uh, relevant. But, but how are you seeing things so far? Um, yeah, I get what you're saying there. I sit, uh, I'm not too quick to jump to a conclusion here. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind, and I immediately reeled it back a little bit, but the first thing that came to my mind was, is this sort of like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic? And then, like I said, immediately reeled that back a little bit. But where, where my mind was when I said that or when I thought that was along the lines of, we're, we're doing these cool things. If you're, This is Capcom. We're doing these cool things and releasing these pretty quality costumes. And that's definitely something. But it feels like this is something you do when everything is rolling along just fine. And... I'm sure they have a plan of what they want to do with all their DLC and such, and I'm sure they have a plan through 2019, maybe even through 2020. But we've been very, very clear as a community, as Event Hubs, the website, plenty of individuals have expressed that they're not quite too happy with the way that Capcom has been quiet. And so it's like you have this really big problem in your communication uh, and, and the way people are viewing your game. And actually, Evo Japan helped with this a little bit, um, but, but that's something we can talk about later. And you're releasing costumes. It's like the costumes are great. They look good, and I'm very happy to see them. But there's a bigger problem going on right now that once you fix that, sure, the costumes would really help. But I, there, there's something else that they need you know, to be paying more attention to, it feels like, and they're over here doing this. And it's kind of weird to me in that in that sense. So... It could be that they have this great plan and they're also releasing the costumes, but I say get your audience on board first. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. And, and we weighed in on this as a team and asked, you know, all of our, our you know, uh, major Street Fighter people on the staff what we think 
you know, when we're actually going to hear something. And, and basically everyone concluded either it was like the end of February um, or closer to final round, which is about three weeks away right now. Um, and, and we know that usually with Capcom, the hints kind of start either the week of or like that Friday. Um, so like we could be as little as two and a half weeks away, maybe before they start up. Um, but I mean, again, there's no guarantee. Like we, we might go into final round here and actually hear nothing. You know, and, and that would be crazy. The Rashid music. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I don't even know kind of where we'd be at that point. I'd probably be jumping off the ledge with everyone else at that point. Like, what are you doing? Like, seriously, this is one of the most messed up things ever. And yet at the same time, it's Capcom. And I look at that and I go, are they going to pull the ultimate troll move and have like four characters released like right before final rounds, you know, <laughs> drops in? Here's all four characters. Go for it. You know, and, and like that, that's, you know, maybe you're going to get more. Maybe you won't. But here's four more. And it's like, holy crap, like what's going on here? And, and I that's something I also wouldn't put past Capcom. Like I could actually see that happening. I wouldn't put the odds high, but I could see that going down. Yeah. And that would be very cool, and that would remedy a lot of the ill feelings that are kind of floating about right now. But the thing, like, if you look back over Street Fighter V's lifespan, and I'm not so sure this was the case during Street Fighter IV, but I think expectations were different, and it was a different landscape, and that's kind of its own conversation. So we'll keep it to Street Fighter V. But Capcom has been playing catch-up since day one. Mm-hmm. So they released the game too early, obviously. It wasn't complete, it, and, and they were playing catch-up. And then they were trying to release DLC characters, and they weren't able to always hit their dates there, and it was catch-up. And, and you could just see them clamoring and scrambling and trying to get up to where the, the, the deadlines that they imposed on themselves. Capcom has created this environment, uh, well, um, a lot of the environment that it finds itself in. It has given itself the deadlines uh, in, in a sense. And interestingly enough, with this move of changing the season pass thing, it kind of removed deadlines uh, to an extent, but there's still an expectation that we're going to get regular news because this is a service. And so when you look at Street Fighter V throughout its entire lifespan, for the most part, it's been Capcom playing catch-up. And that, so what you're saying with the idea that maybe four new characters drop and it's this another home run announcement reveal and they're all coming out tomorrow or today. And because we saw that with Kage and we saw that with um, Sagat and G, like they've been doing these kind of crazy reveals and then immediately giving you what they're showing. But then it feels like, okay, so then you caught up and now I'm kind of expecting that, well, well, now we fall behind or something. I don't know. It's just not a very nice ride to be on. Mm -hmm. I get that maybe there was pressure to release the game early and but there was a point where they did catch up. Mm-hmm. But then the the you know the 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 marker moved forward and they didn't and they had they found themselves playing the same game. But it'd be so much easier if you just get out ahead of it and you stay there. And they were for a while after arcade edition release, they were there. But they just keep finding themselves behind and it's a stress. It's a constant stress on I'm sure on Capcom. I do not envy those guys that are working there right now. Um, having to deal with a community that's stressed, that's constantly hounding them, and they just don't have a lot of charisma with this approach. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping they catch up and then they start playing ahead. Yeah, it's it's kind of like playing Street Fighter Five. You you might enjoy the game, uh, you know, you might love it. I I really do. I I find it like to be a lot of fun, uh, very enjoyable. Uh, at the same time, I've never accused it of being a, a smooth ride and something that's like, oh sure. man, this is woo. You know, it's like no, you're you're kind of hanging on for dear life every time you play it. Uh, again, I enjoyed Marvel 3. I felt that game was very similar in that regard, um, you know, for a variety of different reasons and some of the same ones, but but yeah. Oh, I, just one more thought on all this, because, I, man, I find myself, I, I guys, I hear it. I hear it in my own voice. I hear it when I write. 
I have been more negative about Street Fighter than I ever have been before. And I'm usually the one in the group where a lot of other people are complaining about something to kind of reserve myself. And it's it's just been long enough in Street Fighter V that I've actually come to the point where I'm complaining a lot about it. And I think that a lot of the complaints are... are I agree with them still, you know, having having made them and we have some time here. But I do want to say that Capcom has not lost me. I will be around. I will be playing Street Fighter VI or whatever. I will be playing the rest of Street Fighter V. Um, it, they haven't messed up so egregiously that I'm, I'm just packing it all up and going and doing something else. But it's not like it's the end of the world. And I just wanted to clarify that. Mm. Makes sense. Uh, one last thing I'll throw out here before we move on to is that the, these costumes that are coming out to me kind of are, they're very, you know, they're, they're iconic characters and Mega Man and other stuff, but you're putting them on someone like Ryu, which doesn't exactly look natural. And it's kind of goofy costumes, if you ask me. Like, again, I, Mega Man's one of my favorite video game characters ever. But it's a little bit off-putting, you know, to see that. And you're seeing some of the more goofy stuff. And I don't think those costumes make as much sense at the early point of a game's lifespan. But towards the end, you maybe take the gloves off a bit and go with that. And I kind of remember that with with Street Fighter Four, We got all the Halloween costumes. And we got some, yeah, like you know. goofy animal costumes. Yeah, we got some really wild stuff. And it looks like we're kind of entering that, that phase again. And again, it doesn't mean that, you know, Street Fighter V is going away tomorrow or whatever, but I, we keep seeing more and more signs, I think, of the game. Like, it, it's got to be nearing, you know, the end of its lifespan, basically. It was one thing to be a game 15 years ago, and it's another thing to be a game like this, especially in the franchises that, you know, in sports franchises, um, they release a new game every year. And Call of Duty gets like 16 games every other week. Right. Uh, and then so fighting games, but the window that has emerged for big fighting games seems to be around four to five years uh, and it's it's much quicker than it used to be that's just the pace though with all the you know the technology and internet and such information travels so much faster people digest it more quickly and they're ready for something new I think uh, more rapidly than they used to be so yeah I think it's a pretty good guess we've had Street Fighter for three full years entering the fourth and um, I, I imagine we'll get another year or two and and that'll be it and that, that just makes sense for modern timelines could be wrong could be the exception, but that's that's kind of our guess. Makes sense to me. Uh, so next up here, we have Hideki Kamiya. Um, that is uh, one of the, the main people behind Bayonetta um, and uh, often associated with the character. Uh, as it turns out, though, you know, Sega owns the IP, you know, for her. Um, but he put out a very interesting tweet and basically said, you know, a Bayonetta X, you know, Mortal Kombat. And a lot of people are like, OK, what does that mean? Like, and, and obviously uh, it's made with a lot of amb- ambiguity there. I mean, what are you supposed to take away from that? So my analysis of this is is that I think he's okay with Bayonetta being in the game. And I mean, you know, if you, you put a character in Mortal Kombat, they're going to get cut in half, uh, decapitated. They're going to, you know, get about as, as brutal of, of a treatment as you can get in a, in a video game. Um, it's it's pretty intense, you know, and, and you have to be pretty okay with with seeing a character like kind of go through that and I, I remember uh, the developer of, of Bioshock Infinite um, there was a, a girl character in there who got put in like porn you know images and other stuff and, and the developer like hey like please stop doing that like please don't do that like this is like my daughter um, you know like and the, the, I'm very attached to this character please stop like kind of abusing her uh, the fact that that uh, Hideki uh, Kamiya is, is okay with this is, is interesting but again uh, I'll go back to Sega owning the IP uh, I don't think it's his call to make. 
Uh, I think that, that why he put this out there is he's trying to basically drum up interest in making this happen. Um, Sega might be fearful of this being more trouble than it's worth, especially in this very much, you know, outrage, shock culture um environment that we find ourselves here in 2019 uh there might be a lot of people like hey you know you can't be abusive to women like that or you can't do this to bayonetta you know and, and they might be afraid of the fallout and he's kind of like well let me put this out there and show you know sega that like the pr hit you know isn't going to be as bad as they fear there's a lot of people that would support this you know will they go on board with it that's kind of how i took what he put out there but but how do you see things yeah, so maybe what you're saying is more of a plea than a hint or a tease. Yeah, I mean, if, if she's in the game, why do that? You know, like, there's no point in putting that out there. You're messing with NRS and what they're doing for a marketing, you know, point of view. Like, that's not good. Uh, and yeah. I doubt as, you know, a fellow developer, he would do that to them. You know, he. I, I think this, again, is more of like, hey, can we get this going? Uh, you know, NRS probably has interest. I, don't, I can't see M NRS signing off or not signing off on this. It's Bayonetta. It's a great character. You know, I, I think that Ed Boon would put anyone. Bayonetta 3s. Um, I think they confirmed that the game's on route for uh, for 2019 mm -hmm. at some point. I don't think there's a date yet. Yeah. But, yeah, it's the right time for this kind of PR. She's already infiltrated the fighting game community with being in Smash and being a very, very popular character in Smash. Mm -hmm. She's got a lot of controversy around her from earlier on. And even now, there's a you know memes about Bayonetta players specifically. So she definitely made a splash there, and you know just the sky's the limit right now. And so and she's uh, from a mature game. There's sexuality obviously, and plenty of violence. And so that that's a fine fit for Mortal Kombat. So yeah, I think it it, it might just be a pretty good move. Um, and I think it, what you laid out there makes sense. It's a plea, or it's a uh, it's like, hey, what do you guys think of this? Look at this. Let's see what the reaction is to this. Just throw it out there into the social media ether and see what comes back, and uh, and see if you can't persuade some of the big wigs. Um, to go for this idea, and I do think that there would be a pretty popular reaction to it. I think the fans would love it. Uh, as much as they, I mean, anything, any negativity that I've seen about it seems pretty superficial. Like people just want to disagree with it. But I mean, it, it, it it's a puzzle piece that fits. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to see what they're doing here. And we'll take note of it and see what happens in the future as a result. And I'm sure that's true for a lot of different parties because this is an interesting move to make. Right. Yeah. Um, so next up here, um, I wanted to get into the Evo lineup, and this is something that you've been pretty, you know, excited about. We've got it happening here, you know, next week. Uh, Wizard's going to come on and, and talk about it. Like, what games are you looking? Like, what games do you think we're going to see up there? All right. So the Evo lineup has been well. There's a lot of discussion that happens about this every year, right? People get so mad at each other, like, no, melee doesn't come back this time, and this dead, and what what games are dead, and they take the opportunity to kind of crap on. The games they don't like and say how Street Fighter is going to be there, but it maybe doesn't deserve it as much as somewhere else or all that stuff. I'm not going to sit and try to speculate in an entire lineup. I just want to look at a few titles that are interesting when you come when the discussion comes up of what seven or eight games are going to make the list this year, because we've had a boom in in legitimate competitive fighting games. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of candidates on the table. And there are a lot of factors that influence it. It's like, well, maybe a, you know, two different games will work, but they're too similar. And, and you know, just the business of having variety for your presentation uh, goes into what game makes it and what game doesn't. And so let's, let's just look at a few of them here. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that you're going to have a Street Fighter V, and it's probably going to be your, uh, your final, your ender for um, your Sunday lineup. But so, so one question, Melee, right? Melee has been one that gets talked about every time because there's another Smash Bros game. 
And it's like it's one thing to have you know two anime games, uh, or two games of the same fighting game subgenre, but like two flat out Smash games. Uh, you know, sometimes it's like a side tournament for an old Street Fighter or something along those lines. But as we've the, the the natural progression is if a new one in the franchise comes out, the old one usually goes the way of the dodo in terms of tournament. But Smash is the anomaly. Um, and, and we've been saying that Melee is dying. Well, we, I, I, I haven't been saying that. I think that, you know, if Evo TOs like money, they're going to keep putting Melee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now you have Ultimate, and now you have Melee. It's like, do you bring two Smash games for this, uh, in, in, in these, you know, lineup slots that are growing ever harder to get your hands on if you're one of these titles? Do you bring Melee back? Yeah, I, I think you have to. Uh, we're seeing here from the other Smash tournaments that are going on, Genesis still had a ton of people going for Melee. Um, there was over a 1,000 entrants. Um, melee is still very exciting for a lot of people. Uh, I know Armada's dropped out of it. Um, I know you know a lot of the, the Melee players are dabbling in Ultimate at the very worst right now. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to become their main game or not. You know, we'll, we'll, Time will tell on that one. But... Uh, melee is the track record is, is proven and it continues to be proven. And I think you have to keep it in the lineup until the numbers like drop off and will they ever drop off? Are we going to be here in, you know, 2030 and still talking about, you know, how melee is surviving somehow? Uh, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know if it will ever die. And, and until then, I mean, I think you have to keep it, uh, in the Evo lineup. Yeah, it makes sense. Alongside Ultimate, because you're not going to not have Ultimate right. either, especially with it's like maybe the biggest game right now, at least in certain respects. And so, yeah, I do think that you get two Smash titles this year. Again, no matter what people are you know saying, it just the uh, when the rubber meets the road, Melee is going to be there. What people are saying, you mean what Wizard has that Evo you know had it, mm. has said? Oh, you know, are we going to even have two Smash titles in here? And it's like you. Uh, but we'll get into that here in a little bit of a wizard putting <laughs> yeah, his foot in his mouth. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> that's the other thing. The other factor that's important is wizards saying things and leading leading us in certain directions and having a social media presence that's fairly questionable and not very well handled often. As like you said, we will get into in a little bit. Um, the other one I wanted to bring up: Soul Calibur Six. Soul Calibur, a, a huge franchise. Maybe not quite Tekken, maybe not quite Street Fighter, but certainly up there. Mm-hmm. And it's this brand new game. Game looks really good, but it came out at a weird time. Um, and in that, I mean, there it, it, it came out towards the end of a tournament season. And then we go into this kind of dark period where it's more for announcements and reveals and people just to get some R&R when it comes to fighting games. And... The the buzz about it after the initials of you know all of the, all of the things that you talk about when a game first comes out is a negative thing because the online is kind of wacky and this create a character allows for you to make these really lewd things and you know just giant penis monsters and stuff and that's the surrounding talk of this for a long time so it's either no one's really talking too much about Soul Calibur at least not in the general circles I'm sure there are plenty of Soul Calibur forums and smaller um, you know Soul Calibur only entities out there but as far as the general talk of the town the game kind of goes by the wayside and then when when the general public does talk about it it's kind of in this negative angle and it's just quiet for a really long time at a very crucial point in a game's life like just you know the first few months Mm -hmm. and so now we're entering into this tournament season and and i fully expect soul Calibur will still be around but did it go dark at the wrong time and and kind of lose a lot a lot a lot of momentum because of it and if so 
does that mean that it's going to be at Evo or that it's not? Yeah, I mean, and we'll throw out here to give a little background to listeners and say they had a lot of trouble with their ranked play in terms of, you know, making customizations and other things that completely broke the competitive aspect of the game. Um, and, you know, they've done some things to fix it. I'm not 100% sure of what state it's in right now. Uh, I still think there's some, you know, elements that are not exactly kosher that, that should be in ranked play. But um, I'll go back to Soul Calibur Five. And that game had incredibly long legs in the competitive scene where it was always played. Um, it, it just like people love the Soul Calibur franchise and for good reason. It's it's a great franchise. Um, and Soul Calibur 5 was hated a lot because of, you know, some of the characters they didn't bring back. Um, it had a lot of problems. And yet even then people still continue to play it. It was never like the biggest of games, but it always had a very good following out there. Uh, I was very, very, very impressed with the Soul Calibur community and how much they supported that game, even though, again, there was a lot of problems with it. So uh, I would actually be pretty surprised based on history alone um, that that Soul Calibur 6 doesn't have a very nice presence kind of throughout uh, you know, the, the tournament season, probably for the next like handful of years. Um, it just, again, I, I, their, their scene is great. I, I, I cannot believe how many people come out to support that game and, and just really give it, you know, it, it's it, so much backing. It, it's quite impressive. And, and so I, I really hope to and expect to see the same thing again. Yeah. I think a lot of this, cause I don't know whether to be in the camp where you go, yeah, Soul Calibur is so established that we should expect it and it would be a surprise to not be at Evo or the camp where you go, yeah, the, Soul Calibur is up there, but it hasn't proven itself that much. And to have this kind of dark period at this time and to lose this much momentum at this time, um, I would be surprised if it actually makes it because it actually does need to put in the work. It can't just go by title and reputation alone. But it's sounding like we should be expecting it to be there and it would be more of a surprise if it's not there. I think a big reason why I'm I'm not kind of as much in the loop is because when I really started getting into uh, things, I, I mean, I've never really been a, a competitive Soul Calibur player and I, I haven't seen much of a scene in just, I guess, my, my circles that I play in and such. And so it's never really been on my radar that much. I haven't been able to analyze. I've seen a couple of like cool documentary-esque videos where we talk about like the old stories where Eris went overseas and was a was a presence for America for the first time and, and things along those lines. But I, I do think that we should see it. I think it's good. We don't we don't have a ton of three D games. It's very visually it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Everyone's gonna love watching, you know, all of that stuff and Ivy and whatnot, you know. <laughs> um, and so I think it's a great spectator uh, sport kind of thing. And I think it would be a good addition to the evo lineup so i think it should be there too but okay so right there you got four right if you're doing street fighter two smashes and a soul caliber that means you probably only have room for three or four more games total and there are a lot more dragon ball fighters this is also in contention for being one of the biggest games in 2019 probably the biggest newcomer although i don't know uh, smash there's a conversation to be had there but it's a, it's a huge thing. It's a huge IP. They just announced a second season, but it's been running into troubles with getting into or, or, or getting permission, I, sh- I guess I should say, f- to be at tournaments. And it's been shut down at a handful of them. They haven't been, you know, huge events and such, but you do have to wonder, well, I mean, will it be at Evo? Uh, because... I don't know. It's just it's it's one of these things kind of floating around out there where it's just it's it's suddenly what should be sure is not quite sure. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Matt. I, I think that that stuff is going away now that Harada has taken over running, you know, basically tournament approval process and whatnot. I, I know, you know, Harada has got a ton of pull within Bad Dynamco, as he should. Um, and, and he can 
he can you know throw his weight around and get stuff done and I don't again we talked about it before I don't think he's running exactly like every you know aspect of the the tournament overseeing for you know Tekken 7 Soul Calibur and, and Dragon Ball Fighters but um, I think that he can clear most of the IP hurdles that would have come up with this stuff. Uh, there might be some exceptions. You know, I I can't say, you know, he's got, you know, complete control. It's like there are, you know, bigger people in the room than Harada. But he has enough pull and clout, I think, within Bandai Namco to get most of these hurdles overcome. And I, I'd really be shocked at, at this point. I think things have really gone dark in terms of, in a good way, I should say, in, in terms of, of Dragon Ball Fighters not being approved for tournament circuits, basically. It wasn't officially at Evo Japan. Yeah. They, they ran it as a side tournament. Yeah, that's correct. And I, I that kind of all happened. Like, you know, these these deals have to be closed like months in advance. And I, I think this all happened before, you know, Harada actually stepped into this role. And so I think going forward, I mean, if we see it not at final round or combo breaker or Evo, you know, then of course, I mean, I think that, the you know, that spells the end for the game. But I, I don't think that's going to happen now. Everything we've, we've been hearing at this point, you know, since Harada taken, has taken over is uh, that everything is going smooth so far. Again, you know, knock on wood, I don't want to jinx it here for the Dragon Ball Fighters community, but I think we're going to be okay. You know, I can't imagine an Evo without that, without getting this huge backlash from the community. I don't think that given Dragon Ball Fighters' status, Evo 2019, no Dragon Ball Fighters, is an incomplete Evo, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And just to answer any, uh, if anyone's wondering, there is Dragon Ball Fighters at final round. So, yeah, I think that there's there's reason to kind of talk about it for a, for a second or two. But the conclusion is, as you laid out, especially because of Harada and just because of the status of this game, the status of Evo, the amount of planning you know they're doing, I don't see this game not being there. It's just so much around this game, um, especially when you have, like, the, uh, the clash of East and West in, in a lot of ways, uh, not all games have that to this degree. But with Sonic Fox doing his thing and then, you know, players from, well, it's not just East and West, it's also, you know, kind of uh, Europe and such. There's a lot of international competition. A lot of people are playing this. So, yeah, it's it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. game that I don't think is going to be there, Dead or Alive 6. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. A- any, any reasons for that, John? It kind of seems like you had a loaded statement there, yeah. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Dead or Alive... It's a huge franchise. I think I'm, uh, again, similar to Boat to Soul Calibur. I haven't been around as much, but there is a Dead or Alive scene in, um, in Arizona that I, that I see on the regular. Yeah, sure, not the biggest, but at the same time, it's, there's, there's a lot of people that love this thing. And, and maybe it's more of a casuals, casuals game than it is a competitive game. Um, I'm not sure. But this, I, I don't think we regularly see Dead or Alive at Evo to begin with, right? But, but this is going to be a huge new release. It's coming out um, on March 1st, so we got like, what, 9 or 10 days from now, maybe 11, and um, yeah, but I don't think it's going to be at Evo because I don't think Wizard likes it very much. <laughs> but so, we, and we can get into that, I guess we just have to preface that uh, there's a lot of uh, controversy because this they were showcasing this game at Evo Japan and they were all lewd about it and, and you know, the Evo TOs kind of lost their minds and stumbled over themselves a bit on social media about it, we'll get into that, but this seems like a pretty big fighting game staple, and for a brand new Dead or Alive numbered entry to be released, just what we're six months before Evo, and it'll be about it'll be actually more like five months. It'll still be a new game, you know, and and to not have this on the uh, on the Evo lineup, like that's a that's a fairly big deal. I feel. Mm-hmm. I think that it kind of deserves a spot given its status, if especially if Soul Calibur does. Yeah, I. Uh... 
I, you almost wonder if something kind of happened there where uh, Team Ninja kind of found out about, you know, Dead or Alive 6 not being in the Evo lineup. And they're like, oh, well, maybe we're going to do something up on stage there. <laughs> we keep we keep dancing around this because we've got a big segment planned. But yeah, mm-hmm. I uh, Dead or Alive, uh, I, I do respect, again, the community there. Um, I you only have rooms for, for so many games. And I think if you're going to pick a 3d fighter, I think you're going to pick, you know, soul caliber over that. Like Tekken has to be a lock, right? You cannot, Tekken will be there. yeah, you cannot have uh Tekken not be there. It's just no way. Uh, and, and you're running out of room. And I, I think dead or alive is one of the casualties there and pun, mm-hmm. I guess intended, but anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, okay. So this far we got street fighter and Tekken as locks, uh, the two smashes mm-hmm. dragon ball. That's five. Yeah. If Soul Calibur is there, that's six. You've got like one or two more spots, and you still have you have Guilty Gear, mm-hmm. you have Blaze Blue, and then uh, I'm sure I'm missing some off Mortal the top of my head. Mortal Kombat talking... Eleven. Oh yeah, Mortal Kombat Eleven. That will one hundred percent be there. Okay, so now what do we have? Two Smash, Street Fighter Tekken, Soul Calibur Six, Dragon Ball Fighters, Mortal Kombat Eleven. That's seven. Soul Calibur, that eight? Like, I mean. Yeah. I, I think that the anime community is going to get BB Tag in there. And I think that's kind of like their best bet at this point. And that's that's our most popular game right now. Um, they're still mm-hmm. updating it. They're still adding new stuff to it. Uh, I think that's going to be their one representation there. And I think we'll have, you know, about eight games again. Um, and I think that's it. I think the door shuts like right at that point. And I mean, what else can you really put in there? Uh, I know people are going to want to see Guilty Gear. Um, I mean, that's just it's a it's an Evo staple, right? I mean, oh, not yeah. not every year. That's kind of where I'm getting yeah. at. BB or GG getting those not, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can see without Blas Blue, but that's fair. It's newer, right? Mm-hmm. Cross tag battle yeah. the update is newer than and Guilty Gear hasn't seen a ton of action in the way of updates. And and in this current climate, man, like you got to be new all the time mm-hmm. uh, to, to kind of be in the running for a lot of these things. So, but but to not see one of those two titles with where things are right now kind of feels weird. But it's it's looking at how things are shaping out. There are just too many others that are almost certainly going to be there. And you go, yeah, like you said, casualty. Yeah. So we've been we've been hinting around about this now, and we we need to get into this. And this is the uh, the Team Ninja stuff, basically at, at Evo Japan. Uh, if you followed anything on the internet at all in the fighting game community, you saw all about this. Um, a very quick recap here because we're going to get like a X rating here if we go too far into details. But um, Team Ninja went up on stage. Uh, they had some models definitely doing some uh, revealing stuff and some, some lewd stuff. Uh, and Wizard went on Twitter and later de- deleted the tweet, which, you know, everyone blew him up for. Um, but th- but this is a guy who consistently has trouble with, with poor word choices and judgment. And I think this is just the latest example. And this is the one that, like, has blown up the most as far as I know. Uh, again, 2019, it's a really different era here um, with social media and stuff. Um, but I think he needed to get burned in this way uh, to kind of pull his head out of his butt. Because he really puts a lot of dumb statements up on Twitter sometimes. They're like, dude think before you tweet a little bit more please um but again what what people are really upset about is he said that the the presentation that that team ninja did was against their core values that was the phrasing he used and people just kind of got it was against evos and the fgc's he became the spokesperson for all of us for a moment yeah thank you thank you wizard for that we appreciate that so anyway um that's where people kind of really lost it. Like, dude, like this is like a genre where we blow people up and rip their heads off and people dance around in about as close to nude outfits as you can get uh, without actually being nude. That's pretty much like where the, the line is drawn is like, are you actually nude? 
okay, then it's fine. You know, it's whatever, whatever you do under there. And that's what people really got upset about. It's like, dude, like this is a part of our culture. You know this. Wizard has been in the fighting game community for a long time. He knows this stuff inside and out or should. And, and for him to put that statement out there, I get why people were pissed off about it and should be pissed off about it. And and they're more so, again, uh, pissed off slash making a meme and making it a big joke. Like, hey, because that's what mm-hmm. we do oftentimes in the fighting game community, right? Um so, so that's that's where that is, in my opinion. I, I, I get why people are upset about it. It's just again to me the latest example of Wizard doing that kind of stuff. But, but how do you feel about that? Well, it's interesting. There's a couple different angles that we can go from here, but I think the setup is really important because you, you were kind of you were talking about what happened. They did the showcasing for Dead or Alive Six, which isn't quite out yet. Now, this was the eve before it was initially supposed to come out. I think the date was it was like Valentine's Day, the fourteenth, mm-hmm. and the game was initially supposed to drop on the fifteenth, but it has recently been uh, pushed back into March first. But still, this happens on the eve, and it was probably planned as such initially before they pushed the. Uh, the release date back. So it's to showcase, it's to get hype going on about this game. They have these two um, really risque models, and you go on their Twitters, and, and they're basically just posing. Uh, no, nothing nude from what I saw, but but you know in underwear and like you know it's a lot of a lot of um, pretty harsh stuff. You wouldn't you would never go on their Twitter with uh, with grandma around. Put it that way. Anyway, they're out there. They're wearing. Um, Fairly provocative clothing, right? And they're they're playing, and it's 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 a show. And and Shimbori, the I believe the director for Dead or Alive Six, comes out, and he's very playful, and he's actually the one at the controls here. And um, and yeah, they just instead of like just flat out playing the game, which I think they did beforehand, they start using like they pause the game when a character has their leg in the air or something, and use the free roam camera to look at the you know to get the the shot right there, and then they're talking about it and laughing about it, but it's very very sexualized. And this comes from the Dead or Alive approach of, um, well, well, this whole time that we've seen Dead or Alive 6, it was announced, um, I think, at E3 last year, and the main talk of the town about it has been that the developers kind of hinted that we're not going down this traditional path of being as sexual. We've talked about it on the podcast before, and then slowly but surely, the old Team Ninja rope-a-dope, it's just as, well, it goes, it's not as sexual. Excuse me. They go, it's not as sexual, and then they go, well, it's it's a it's it's less sexual than the last one, but there's still some sexuality, and then it's oh, it's the same, it's oh, it's worse. Yeah, it's worse. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's pretty and much so what we're going now. This yeah. is the eve before where the actual game is going to be released to the public. They're out there, and this is in Japan, where the the culture of surrounding sexuality is very different than what it is over in uh, in America. And, they, they, I mean, it is lewd. They do have, like, this huge guy power bombing a, a, a girl and then freezing it where it's it, it, in these positions. And you can, you know, it's not hard to find exactly what they were doing. But this goes on for, like, 20 minutes mm-hmm. on stream. So what I imagine has to have happened is Wizard is somewhere in the back in these long corridors in some isolated room watching the stream by himself, eating a McRib. Uh, he sees this all begin to happen, and of course he freaks out immediately because you don't want to have all this. You know, first of all, Team Ninja didn't tell you that they were going to have these two basically sex models be up there, um, and that uh, they were going to. Uh, we'll jump in there. I, I do think that they probably had clearance from them. Like they knew them. Th- those models are at a lot of fighting game events. Like they're all over the place. That's one thing I'll. They've jump been in on. to yeah. Capcom events before yeah. too, and yeah. and one of them, Nick uh, Majin Ten Shinhan, was telling me that she often um, like cosplays as Chun Li for. Street Fighter reveals, mm-hmm. or she has in the past. And yeah. So what I'm saying is, Wizard sees this, he drops his McRib, and he has to run like 
through all of this these corridors and such to get to the people that are doing this stream to tell them to cut the feed and it takes them 20 or 30 minutes to do all of this it's kind of crazy for me to think that there was so much of a disconnect that the the evo tos didn't know this was going to happen and then they let it go on once they saw it start happening they let it go on for this long and Team Ninja is all about the public relations and is all about, we saw it in, in the piece that came out recently on the website, they did a similar kind of approach with Dead or Alive 5, saying they were going to basically tone down sexuality until the very end when they said, just kidding, we're not. And it's like, so you have this agent in play where Dead or Alive or, or Team Ninja likes to basically tease that they're going to do something and then they kind of don't, but it works for them and it works for drumming up talk about their product. And then you have the Evo people that don't like it and get really upset about it, but don't stop it. Didn't know it was coming. And then don't stop it for 20 or 30 minutes. It's like, how did this whole thing happen? Unless it, it smells fishy to me is what I'm going to say. I don't, I don't see how this actually happens the way it did. Yeah. I I mean, can you imagine a meeting where team Ninja goes in with the Evo staff and they're like, Hey, um, so about 20 minutes into the broadcast, we're going to have the characters start blowing each other. Is that okay? You know, <laughs> that's just, there's no way that the Evo staff saw this and said, oh yeah, just go for it, dude. Like, hey, that's fine. I it, it Imagine Capcom going up on stage at like a Sony and a Microsoft, you know, uh, press conference and having something like this happen. Like, oh, here's, here's, you know, Ryu, here's Ken, you know, Ryu's got his fireball, you know, all this kind of stuff. No, here, you know, we're going to have Ryu blow Ken here for a little bit, like that's going off the rails like that's not okay and and there's no situation out there where where i can see anyone signing off on this the, the repercussions for this like evo could have gotten maybe a twitch ban or a, a strike on them i'm not a hundred percent sure of what the twitch like terms of service are um but i know that you can't go too far with like lewd behavior and they have, you know, clamped down on people in the past for doing that. I'm sure that was a fear for them. Uh, there's one thing I know for sure. They do not want their Twitch channel banned. That's a big source of revenue for them. It's a huge thing for them. That's a bad, bad, bad look if they have that happen. Um, so, I mean, Team Ninja really had to go rogue here. You know, it, it's it's like, look, I get like even the even the poses they were doing. It's like, eh, that's maybe not the most like, you know, tasteful type stuff. But when you position characters in a, a sexual like, again, they're blowing each other, basically. Right. That's what's going on at that point. That's like going really, 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 really far. And and. and that's uh i it was mind-blowing to me i and i had no issue with the evo staff pulling it at that point because it's there, there's there's far and then there's really far and that's what's going on there um but why let it go on for so long before you actually take action if it's yeah, such a big deal again it, that was they basically cut it right after that happened it, it, it was before then like they didn't have the the um the blowjobs basically going on uh and it, like right after that happened they cut it and that's how at least I saw it. I mean, the models were, were spanking each other yeah. and, and pulling their shirts down and wiggling further their to further accentuate yeah. and wiggling. And all the stuff, you know, they talk about jiggle physics in Dead or Alive all the time. They're basically doing, recreating it in real life. And it, well, the whole presentation, obviously I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know what was being said. But the era of it was, hey, remember how we've set this whole thing up to be not as much in the way of... Yeah. of of jiggle and all that stuff and then they just recreated it all in as as much as they possibly could and it felt like just a i mean pretty much a smart pr move if you're team ninja and you have the kind of standings that you do and the expectations about your product that you do it made total sense and they did it with this era of like playfulness and like a, yeah here it is and this is what we do well on that note actually so okay i i agree that that team ninja strategy worked short term 
Uh, there was a ton of media coverage about this. They got in front uh, of our website like quite a bit, and a number of other websites picked this up and covered it, right? So long term, though, you go back to the Evo staff and say, hey, one, we want our game on your lineup, and we want to do a presentation on it in the future. Do you think the Evo staff is going to sign off on anything like this in the future? I mean, it's... No, I, th- yeah. I don't think that they're trying to get their game at Evo. I, yeah. I think that's pretty clear. That, and But I have, have Dead or Alive's traditionally been at Evo, I, especially with where things are now and all the competition for the, for the lineup slots that we talked about just a second ago. It's like... Yeah, I don't think Dead or Alive has all that much of a chance. Yeah, and maybe, again, as we, we spoke about before, maybe they had some idea that they didn't have a chance. It's really like, hey, we're going to go rogue and screw you guys. Uh, you screwed us over by not having our game there. We're going to screw you over by doing this and, and you know, and getting our, you know, prime time, you know, time out there. But, again, I, I know that, that Dead or Alive does not usually get press you know, stage like invitations from like Microsoft or Sony um, to present during E3 for pretty obvious reasons here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's so I don't know how much damage they did to themselves outside of, of the Evo staff and some other people. Uh, again, if if you want to present that image out there as more of a, a family event or something, I don't know if you're ever going to have the Dead or Alive team out there again, you know, to do that stuff. I, that might be kind of the end of presentations at fighting game events that are that are catering to that audience or say that they do. Um yeah, so uh, man, I, I I get it, and this is it, it fits it fits what Team Ninja is, right? I mean, at least what they're doing at Dead or Alive, like they're they're very much a a. Hmm. I'm trying to term this correctly here so I don't get myself in trouble, but they're not exactly going to play by the rules all the time. I'll just say that, and uh, I I think what we're seeing it here, and, and you this is what you're signing up for if you have them up on stage now. I mean, it's out there. Everyone saw this. Uh, be careful with it. And then, you know, I'll mention again with Wizards, like, dude, like, choose your words a little bit more thoughtfully, dude. Like, just take a few more times to, to a few more seconds to, to think about what you're going to put out there so that you're not constantly running into these situations. You deserve this. You deserve this for the crap that you've put out there on Twitter. This is not the first um, time that you've done this before. You have it coming a million times over again. Clean up your act a bit. Uh, You run the biggest fighting game tournament on the planet. (laughs) Please choose your words a little bit more intelligently. So... Yeah, I think we should emphasize that too. That the wizard really got like the community was not didn't didn't come out from this and say, "Oh my gosh, we're so offended." Like yeah. I think wizard expected them to. Yeah, and I get it. We're in a, a you know social time right now where getting offended on online, especially about things like this, when you're, you're involving you know women, sexuality, th- these are these are hot topics for for this kind of a thing. And so if you are a business that's in front of everybody's eyes all the time on stream and on social media, you know, your Evo, you want to dot your I's and cross your T's and make sure that you're not allowing any room for, for someone to start pointing the finger at you um, because then it's a, it's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. So I get that. But I mean, again, this was, this was, first of all, this was in Japan where the expectations I'm sure are a bit different socially speaking. And, um, and so I, I think that wizard was afraid that everyone would attack him for not doing anything. And maybe they would have, maybe he was in between a rock and a hard place, but they certainly attacked him for, for doing something. And I think it was more so just his, I guess his delivery, mm-hmm. the way he went about it. The, and again, that's part of that, that visual that I, that I was kind of talking about earlier, um, that he's like scrambling and freaking out. And people are more focused on, I think, the flailing reaction that he had mm-hmm. that, that becomes apparent through the way he worded his tweet and the things that he said. It's like, but he spoke for everyone. It was a very like, um, like uh, virtual, virtuous, like, Oh, uh, this is not what we stand for. This is not what Evo stands for. This is not what the FGC stands for. And it was such a matter-of-fact thing. 
you know, and it's such a blanket statement. And it's like, no, the first of all, the DOA crowd, which is a, is definitely a significant portion of the FGC, eats this up, and it's like, and in not a like a bad way, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think he just overreacted, and it was obvious that he overreacted. And if you're overreacting, that means you're probably not. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to go too far into putting words in people's mouths because I don't know the specifics there. I'm just kind of observing from the outside, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But I, I just think that um, he didn't do it with much tact. Yeah, his punishment is now that he's a meme for the next six months or so, and that's what it's going to be. And and the joke will die I out. I can't wait oh, yeah. for the core values signs <laughs> at um at like the Evo finals in the in the stadium this time. Uh, but I bet you they get banned. Like you can't. Maybe it's that you can't have signs, but it'd be even funnier if you just can't have core value signs or signs that have the word core or value on them because that's Wizards' next step now yeah. is to say. You can't make fun of me yeah. specifically. I actually wouldn't be shocked if he came out in like a core values t-shirt. Wizard can be a good sport about this stuff. Like he can laugh at himself afterwards. And, and I really I would, would not be shocked. I would gain respect for him if that happened. Yeah, it's, That'd be great. Yeah, he, he can, it's, it's, he's been doing this a long time. And we give him a lot of crap, deservedly so. But he also has been doing a very good job with Evo for a long time. He's He's been around the fighting game community. Uh, my goodness, I, I I don't even know when he started. But I remember playing him on, I think, X-Band. Like back in the day. Like um, So. So it's like early 90s, you know, somewhere around the early mid 90s. But anyway, I, I think we can bury the subject here. <laughs> I think a lot of people in the community yeah. have moved on except for the memes, which, you know, can never go away for, you know, like, as I said, six months, I got to stay there. But I wanted to ask you about you, you put up an interesting article here recently about not wanting Goken in Street Fighter 5. And that is a character you're very heavily associated with from Street Fighter 4. You were known as the best Goken on the planet, actually, by many people. Some people did not feel that way. A lot of people did. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, but you, you've said now that you don't want this iconic character, not only for you, but for the franchise and the game. And, and why is that? I don't want it to be, I want to specifically say from the get-go, it's not because I'm coming from this stance of, because Street Fighter Five sucks, and if Goken were in it, then they would taint him, or something along those lines. It's not what I'm saying. So let's get that out of the way from uh, moment that's one. That's exactly how I'm taking it, what you're saying right now. So so whatever. Well, yeah. and, and, and that's a fair <laughs> thing, because again, we've talked a lot of negativity about Street Fighter Five. No, I think that based on the kind of climate and the atmosphere right now, that my guess is that we're towards the end of the game's life. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I, I think we probably have a year or two left. I, I would guess two years. But the way that things work now, the the schedule for fighting games and the way that people react to them, um, especially with new bits of news that come out pertaining to either an update or, or a sequel, I'm not sure. I, I would I would guess that the next game is is already in some kind of a production um, that either leaks or gets announced. But once that happens, the um, I think that the the attention on Street Fighter V further wanes, and I think that it's again it's probably still another two years or so. But say I have a character like Goken or, or someone that I want. It's this is more basically just about characters that um, that any individual might particularly want. It's like, well, how long am I going to have them uh, in this game? And it's like, because I have to pick up a brand new character, learn them, uh, and, and basically start another journey, and and then the game might be over. And and even more so than that, it might not even get to the point where the game is officially done, but a lot of the attention, if you're more of a competitive player, um, is going to go away from the game once there's a new announcement, once they, they you know another benchmark or another mile marker is on the horizon. Um, when, like when Super is announced uh, as an update for this game, 
um, I, I should say, uh, like Street Fighter Four. I remember this happening the first time for me when Street Fighter Four was a thing, and Super was announced, or maybe AE was announced, and we were playing Super. And for like three months, people didn't really play the game anymore because they knew there was a new one coming out, mm-hmm. and it felt like you were almost practicing wrong because there is a new one. And that's just something that kind of happens in the community. So basically, in a nutshell, I don't want a character that I that I would Super want to see because I feel like I'm not going to get much time with them. And that I, I don't want to just start, you know, a whole new process this late in the game. It feels like it's too late in the party. And and that's both in Street Fighter V's life and then also uh, the community's attention to the game and, and how big of a deal it is. Now, if you're just a casual that's going to keep playing Street Fighter V uh, because you enjoy playing it just in, in your free time. I, I play it in my free time somewhat, but it, it's not something that I love, love to do. I'm not going to pick this over a lot of other things. It's more about this competitive environment that I'm that I'm taking this whole angle from. If you're a casual and you love playing it, then this isn't really for you, and and you're just hoping to see someone that you really like. But uh, another thing is, especially with these characters that haven't been um, released yet, I would rather hope that you know to get them in Street Fighter Six or whatever the next episode is going to be than in Street Fighter Five. So that's basically what I was getting at there. It feels like we're um, maybe right on the cusp of it being a little too late for uh for newcomers that you want because there just won't be enough time to enjoy them based on how games evolve live and die these days that makes sense to me i i've had reservations even about rose coming and i'm pretty sure she's coming but i'm like i'll take her if i can get her you know it's like i i i'll take anything i can get i'm i'm not picky so (laughs) um but uh another thing that's come up recently with with evo japan uh to get into is is kami finally did not become the number one character stats wise we do you know the character usage stories usually uh either the day of the final are like you know right around that time when we kind of know like what the top you know pull percentage has been and cami won like almost every single one of those in season three and finally she only finished in third place that's big um uh urian got number one uh but but i want to throw this question at you here because we're seeing a number of people drop you know the character now finally uh cami has been so popular almost i think from the inception of street fighter 5 uh maybe you know maybe more so of season 2 but man she seems like she's just been all over the place um i'm i'm so happy to finally see her like knock down a peg or two but um notable players uh that are now using someone else at evo japan instead of cami were nl uh the you know cami korean player and then kazunoko uh nl is using akuma now and then kazunoko is using abuki which should tell you how cheap and good those characters are uh that the fact that they've moved off cami to play them um but some mm-hmm. notable players that actually have stuck with cami now um are mago uh powell um and he actually got third overall uh zao hai and then gamer b so you're still seeing a plenty of uh plenty of uh, people play cami still um but but what are you seeing so far in your neck of the woods how do you feel like the character's shaking out so far in season four um yeah i think she's very clearly been nerfed right no uncertain terms she's been nerfed um as far as if competitive players are going to play her less i think that it's very clear it's it's easy to see why they would uh play her less why they might migrate to someone else because it's not so much about character loyalty maybe it is if you're shaohai it seems like he plays cami in just about every street fighter that i've um that i've you know been paying attention to but it's more about winning and if someone can get the job done easier than than cami now in this current 
uh, stage of the game, then you just go to it. And it's like just fairly matter of fact. And I think that's what we're going to be seeing. Uh, the bigger question really comes down to, can she still get the job done um, with any kind of efficiency? And the answer is probably yes. I think that um, I've actually been fairly happy with the way Capcom has adjusted the game in this latest balance patch. From what I've seen, uh, I fully reserve the right to say, oh, well, I just didn't see this crazy oversight before you know, like a Blanca glitch. No, but I see something more legitimate that's going to stay in the game for sure and and might like kind of uh, rule the, the tier lists for one reason or another. I'm not seeing a bunch of stuff like that come out or, or be very obvious. So I think the game is, um, is in a pretty good place balance-wise right now. But yeah, I, I think that Cammy, for a lot of the pros that we're talking about here, was a means to an end. She's no longer, well, she might not lo- no longer be that means. And if that's the case then they'll just go to Ibuki, they'll go to Akuma, they'll go to whomever it is that's going to get them those wins, going to get them the points, the money, the the you know the resume, bullet points, all of that. And that's just kind of what it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it's interesting that only, uh, you listed off there, only two people didn't play her. I mean, that's significant, mm-hmm. sure. And in my neck of the woods, uh, we have a Kami player or two, and they're both still playing Kami to my understanding. But they're also toying around with other characters, yeah. at least one of them is. And and so and but I think that's just the natural way of things. If you're playing to win, then you're playing with the character that's going to help you do that the most. And Cammy might not quite be that anymore. Uh, go pick Rashid. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll save Rashid for another time. But uh, I I still think that that um, she's going to keep dropping actually a bit more in popularity. I do think the character has been weakened enough where we're going to see, uh, especially when we come stateside. I think uh, for you know final round and all that. I think she's going to be hovering now around the upper part of the stats in terms of how many people are using her. But again, not falling off too much more. I mean, again, I I I'll just throw out there. Pal got third overall with playing Cami. Um, he beat Tokido um, earlier in sets to send him to losers and then uh he lost to a Zangief player there to finish 25th overall uh Tokido did so I mean it, it's Cammy's still damn strong um but one thing to throw out there though is is Yurian got 10 people playing him at Evo Japan in the top 128 uh, and was a number one over uh, overall character I should say and so the question becomes are we buying Yurian stock now it's Japan first off uh, so that might be different than the rest of the world because Japan tends to either be, you know, sometimes ahead of the curve with uh, choices like this. And I don't know, I, I would want to get a bigger sample size. I think that that's something to definitely write down and, and come back to after we have, you know, final round and a few other events that are major like this play out. Um, but I'm not ready to say that, like, Urian's the new big thing. I think Urian's very strong. He's probably a top 10. I think he has the tools to get it done. Um, he might have a few harder matchups, but I, I think he's definitely there. Um, and I think we see a Nemo go back to him more or less full-time, right? Because I think he was toying around with G and such. Uh, but, yeah, so if this happens again, yes, I'm right there with you. But I think it's also just as it could be a freak occurrence. I think things are still very much settling. We've had a lot of time with Season 4 now, well, a considerable amount, but we haven't had a lot of time in competitive play. So that's a huge part of the pie that's still really settling. To throw it out there with Nemo, you mentioned that, you know, playing Urian and messing with others. He actually played Colleen a decent bit at Evo Japan as well. Uh, another character we're kind of seeing uh, come up through the, the ranks a bit. Yeah, that makes sense too, because she's been secret really good, I think, for a while. Uh, just kind of maybe unconventional and not all that um, appealing at first sight for for a competitive player but you put in the time especially with people like momochi showing what she's capable of neon the like and yeah i I think that you're going to see more and more of them it just 
she seems kind of weird to begin with. You think like, well, what's her basic battle plan? Like when when I sit down and start playing with her, what am I trying to do? It's like throw hail hail storms up in the air. That's kind of different and such. But when you realize her movement, her setups, what she's capable of, although unconventional, I think if you put in the time, you find that she's actually a, a pretty deep well um, and you get a lot of resources out of that. Yeah, she's, she's becoming very popular. She was a sub for Momochi, who won the tournament overall, mainly playing Zeku, but definitely a good amount of Colleen uh, as well. Um, you're seeing her quite a bit. You know, she she's definitely up there as a character. Um, I don't think she really lacks in, in terms of anything of tools. Um, you had five people playing her overall, and then one is like an alternative. So pretty darn good, I guess. Uh, um, I'm like, 100% sure how that was got. Uh, probably uh, Momochi played her a little bit more in finals and we didn't update by that point. So that yeah. uh, would have been uh, two people in there. But anyway, so uh, but the main thing here I want to go to next is is Jobin. Uh, this is a infamous player here in the fighting game community because he is the definition of just do it. Uh, he he is uh, and his Yomi is off the charts, too. Let me let me shout that out because uh, Jobin has had a lot of of tournament placings over the years and you do not get that unless you have some pretty damn good skill sets uh with that style of play and he again will just bet it on an exdp he actually went out uh of winners uh semis against a cami player by doing an exdp he lost so <laughs> it's he, he went down exactly how you would expect him to go down right um but i gotta throw this back to john because he's an akali player and i infamously have told him hey Drop Nikali, please. I beg you, drop him. Uh, but but he gets top eight winner side, goes 0 2, then he's out of the tournament at fifth place. Uh, what do you think of, of Jobin and Nikali? I think that he's a perfect, Nikali is a perfect character for Jobin. I think that it's live or die by the sword, the sword being DP, and that this is going to happen from time to time. Jobin would have to get another top eight or six before I would be uh, before I would think that this is because of uh, anything outside of the luck of the DP. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Jobin's a competent player in that he knows the setups. He knows uh, he's got some pretty good confirms. He's ready to you know anti air. I, I I liken Jobin to like a learned Gandhi. You know um, <laughs> where, but but as far as predicting what he's going to do next. It's just, it's also like you're just sitting down and it's someone that knows how to do all the moves, but doesn't know at all when to do all the moves. And that actually sometimes, like, you know, man, blind kids make it across the street sometimes, you know, like that's what it is. And that's what Jobin's style is. And I watched, I only saw his match, I think. I fully watched his first match in top eight. Uh, I think that was against Powell. Mm -hmm. And he had certainly gotten to this point ripping a bunch of uh, EXDPs from Wake Up and such. But in his set against Powell, and it was a first to three, uh, I'm not sure if it's 3-0 or 3-1, but uh, Jobin didn't hit a single Wake Up DP, and he threw out like five or six of yeah. them at least. And that was kind of the talk of the time. I think it was F-word talking about it. It's like you live and die by that. And that is not a, a medium to long-term solution for your fighting game. Uh, you know, you're, you're sometimes, yeah, you'll get across the street. Sometimes you'll get into top eight with that play, but with no sense of consistency. And I think that's been the story for Jobin, you know, since day one, more or less, at least since he's been on the radar. Now, now isn't that the story of Nikali, though, too? Uh, a completely inconsistent And that's character. another yeah. reason why he's a, a good pick for Jobin, mm-hmm. because it, it completely fits that. It's like, well, maybe you did this or maybe you did that. Uh, so it comes down to reading it and... Hey, sometimes it's gonna work out, mm-hmm. and and yes, but 
this is kind of a culmination or a uh, you know a presentation, a visual of what we've been talking about more in theory with this character, with how the game works. Although I think the game, like I've said, is more balanced and in a better place gameplay-wise than it ever has been. And a lot of the complaints that we've had over the last couple of years are not as well-founded with the Season 4 update. So so yeah, I think that uh, great, I'm glad. It's very entertaining to watch Jobin play, but I don't take this as something where I look at it and go, oh yeah, and I'll see him in top eight next tournament. Now, if he if he does, then that gives me a new sense of hope. I have no idea how to like put that in a box and try to play like Jobin because I don't think Jobin can play like Jobin. I think Jobin just kind of, in a sense, turns it off and goes with whatever his gut feels, and he doesn't let anybody tell him what to do, whether that's someone saying on commentary next to him, hey, don't DP as much, whether it's his opponent punishing him for DPing like 17 times in a round. Uh, he just does whatever's on his heart, and usually it's DP. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it just it fascinates me still to this very day why you take a character like Nikali and play him because you are a very controlled and footsies character. John immediately, like when you're we're playing against him, I'm going to blow you up in rank now to anyone uh, that's listening to the pod and, and doing this, but <laughs> he'll immediately back up to ranges where your moves are going to whiff um, so he can hit you with, you know, whiff punish basically. And as soon as he whiff punishes and knocks you down, then he goes in on you. And he's very good at this. It's something he did with Goken. Um, you know, it's just it's a very smart and calculated style of play. That's what it is. It's very good. Uh, it's a it's a classic Street Fighter type of move, right? Yet he does it with Nikali, and it's <laughs> and I go okay, like you could do that, but why why are you taking like a bat and trying to like golf with it? You know, like you you could do it. It's just it's not a very effective means of doing it. Like and then, so like it always throws me off that that he takes a character who's just so wild and and tries to make him this controlled and calculated, you know, fighter, which he does a solid job at, but again, I I'm always kind of like at a loss for for why. Just more random slashes in the middle of your neutral game, which are minus six at best, I think. And Jobin was doing that, and it was working sometimes. I know, uh, I know. But <laughs> but sometimes it's gonna work. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of sometimes it's gonna work, let's talk a little bit about Birdie. Um, I wanna I wanna mention here that. Um, uh, Fudo, who's very well known for playing Mika, uh, pretty much like throughout most of Street Fighter V's lifespan, I think he's dabbled with Birdie here a little bit. Um, he actually sent Punk home uh, with Birdie, um, which is a bad match for Karen. It's it's pretty well you know known that that Karen gets blown up in that match. If you want to say seven three, um, I, I think it's probably pretty accurate. Um, Punk actually tried to counterpick by using Nash, uh, which is rare for him to see him uh, bust out that character again. Uh, he's been dabbling with you know uh, uh, Chun Li and then you know Cami for a while. Um, but uh, I'll throw it out there that that Birdie is such a, a prominent character uh, right now in this season, and he's looking like top tier, which is really shocking to me. I did not see that one coming at all. Um, uh, having a matchup against Karen, who's a reasonably common tournament character, is a big deal. Uh, you see quite a few Karens in, at tournament level. You know they're very good. And having a, a character that blows him up, he also does seems to do very well against a lot of the um, uh, ninja schoolgirl you know types like you know Ibuki and stuff. Uh, and and so I'm throwing that out there right now as as one we're seeing a lot more birdies out there. And, and two, like I can kind of start to see why his matchups are are going down that way. So Japan or Topanga specifically came out with a tier list and we brought it up a few weeks ago and they have Birdie, they have Birdie listed as like the very top character and I don't know if they, they just grouped the uh, the top tier all together and left to right um, ordering of the names doesn't matter or not but Birdie's the first one that they listed which tells me they're probably the most sure about him and it might be that they're saying that he's actually number one in the game mm -hmm. and you go well Birdie's, you know, he's won a Capcom Cup 
and he's been the number one character online with Trashbox being well ahead of everybody else too. But he's also been a character that has gotten away with a lot of kind of shenanigan-y, gimmicky things, and those work, and sometimes they work a lot, but they again, it's not one that you go, oh, that's super consistent, right? Um, and and he's never been a character... I actually wrote a story. It's not posted up on the, on the site yet, but I clarify Birdie as someone that people have seen as good but not great. And But Japan says that he might be the best character, at least amongst the top tier. And, and like I said on the podcast before, I don't really agree. But now having seen you know what Fudo's been doing with him, I think Crusher also got top eight. So we had two birdies in Evo Japan top eight, and there were a few more in the... Um, in the the ranks just below that and uh and it's like well maybe he is so let's kind of like reconvene here take another look and see what's happened and birdie is a very solid character on the ground he's got amazing neutral and you wouldn't necessarily expect it because you think oh well first of all he's super overweight and he's a big body so you go he probably has slower normals and movement um but for how far they reach because of how big he is they're very fast. The combination is amazing, and I think that's the reason that he beats Karen is because she's very much a footsies kind of character, and as good as she is, and she's quick, and she can really dole out the damage and shimmy you and, and kind of run circles around you, horizontally speaking, Birdie can just toss out that better-ranged, higher-priority normal and often beat her, and then get in your face and do what, you know, he's a brawler, and he, he has great rushdown, one, some of the best corner pressure in the game, and one of the best anti-airs that's just a normal, it's, I think, a little easier to pull that off than than like a dp where you have to do a command for it right mm-hmm. so birdie very solid at controlling the space in front of him and at anti-airing so he makes you want to jump then you jump then he gets the anti-air and he puts you basically in a mix-up because he's got the command grab that's a really good start okay so we've got that he also has his just do it moves which i've written articles about which we've talked about here those actually have gotten nerfed a little bit. The The problems with them was that they weren't negative enough um, given the spacing. They essentially didn't carry enough risk to the reward that they gave. And Capcom has added a few frames of recovery on moves like the, is it the bull horn head? I don't know, the rush punch, the rush, the like, the, the shoulder tackle? Yeah, bull head is where he charges forward and bull horn is where he flies through the air. Okay. So, um, so yeah, Bullhead uh, has been, the, the recovery is, is more, I think, when he does it in V-Trigger. But he, he has, what I liken it to is like maybe like 70% solid and 30% crazy, chaotic, just do it. You know, where he's going to just randomly EX Dolphin dive at you or do an armored Bullhead head at you or something along those lines to get in. And it seems like that's the more or less the perfect combination of solid and crazy to thrive in the Street, Fight, Street Fighter Five atmosphere. Hmm. He counters those that try to be solid on the ground, but he has enough crazy that you can't really predict him. His damage output is amazing. And all of this kind of just, it's not like you have to maintain this balance of being solid and crazy for the whole match. It's only until he gets in and then he gets to do his command grab Oki, you know, setups and such. It's That's a pretty good start so far. Then you look at, well, his V-Trigger 2 wasn't being used. Capcom buffed it up to try to get people to use it. One of the ways they did that was they made it only two bars. And the other way is that they've added um, more combo ability and juggle to it. Uh, and I think an extra cancel so that he can, it's more versatile. So it's, it's cheaper and it's more versatile. And we're starting to see people use it. First and foremost, it's going to get a lot of hits just because it's a new gimmick that people aren't used to. Mm-hmm. So 
I think it's more efficient now than it will be. That said, though, we saw uh, Punk versus Fudo, and Fudo pulled out Birdie, like you said. And uh, the, I think it was during the Nash rounds, but I'm not sure. It was fairly late in the um, in their set, and Fudo was using the chain uh, and to cancel on block, and he was doing it's like a two hit process, and the second hit like hit Punk like three times in a row, mm-hmm. even though he blocked the first one. And it tells me I'm not sure the specifics there, but it must be some kind of like a 50-50 situation. And so you pile on all that first stuff I said with this augmented V Trigger two that's helping him get the job done. And V Trigger one was basically just like a buff to the things that he was already doing. It made the moves that he was already doing even stronger, and that was good. But V Trigger two gives him a whole different tool a whole different kind of approach and and means of getting that damage not only that when he hits with it if he hits with it from the beginning he can hit you for a while and then he gets oaky and he still has enough v-trigger bar to do something else with it now i'm not saying that this is all broken i don't think i felt the full force of birdie in season four and maybe i'll say he's broken after feeling that but right now it seems like that's a pretty good balance and if he winds up being the best character or one of the best characters in the game because of this, I take my hat off to Capcom um, based on what it's looking like right now. We do need some more research, but man, it seems like if that's one of your strongest characters and he's strong for the reasons that he seems to be strong for, that's pretty good. And I'll, that's very digestible. And um, and so, yeah, I think it's actually kind of a good look for the game. So again, it's early. It's early to make all of these judgments for sure, but that's what it's looking like. And I'm actually... It's weird to hear this. I'm sure it's weird for you. Oh yeah, no, I'm complained so yeah, much. I'm, I'm shocked about this character right now. Yeah, but I, I'm gonna give credit where it's due. Uh, it, it looks good to me so far, and I haven't gotten hit with V Trigger Two shenanigans. I've actually had a lot of success with Birdie against Birdie online. Um, I think I ran into JB's Birdie yesterday while I was on break and I was playing some ranked, and uh, and I messed them up. So hey, JB, you're a great guy. I really liked your uh, interview from Capcom Cup, but you gotta hold that oh, up. Man. Also, just play Rashid. Yeah, JB is like one of like so nice and so like such a good dude. So you 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 suck. I hate you now. But it's <laughs> such a good dude. The guy plays Rashid first okay. and foremost. Right. Let's not forget. That's where I was gonna go next. Is like uh, you're you're praising Birdie. Like I think we're gonna come back next week and you're like, you know, Rashid is not that bad. He's he's fine. Is what's the problem with oh, Rashid? I don't, but I don't foresee that. But yeah. <laughs> um, I'll just go back here and mention that that when uh, Nemo and Fudo ran into each other, uh, Nemo actually switched to Colleen. Uh, this is in the top eight and uh, got the set tied to 2-2. And Fudo switched off of Mika, who, you know, you expect him to play, switched to Birdie and won. And and it was, uh, you're starting to see Fudo very clearly put a lot of time into Birdie. Uh, his character he dabbled with before. Um, he goes into the grand finals against Momochi. Uh, Momochi is using Colleen um, and actually resets the bracket 3-1, again, using Birdie. Uh, time ran down a lot these were very slow-paced and footsie-based matches, which was actually kind of refreshing to see. Um, Momochi is very lame. Uh, not all the time. Like, if you, you give him an opening, he'll go in and he'll destroy you. But if he can, you know, run out the clock quite a bit, like, he'll do that. But um, if you go back to the Grand Finals, like, they're running down to, like, 10 or 15 seconds here, uh, which you almost never saw in Street Fighter V. Like, I don't know, ever. Like, this is one of the first times I've really seen the Grand Finals kind of, like... Not in the spinots. Yeah. Yeah, like, gra- <laughs> like, really grind to, like, a footsie, very calculated type thing and I'm going holy crap like I, I didn't see this one coming um, but both players uh, both Momochi and Fudo stayed the course with Colleen and Birdie uh, even though like there were times where you know they're kind of 
hanging out at the character select screen and you're expecting them to to mix it up a little bit uh they they clearly both have other characters in their pockets and, and they just didn't go there um so it's interesting there's, there's a lot of of dark horse characters right now in street fighter 5 that i think that that I, I, both you and I saw the Topanga tier list for Birdie and kind of like laughed at it, I think. And, and you know, now that we, we've seen and we go, okay, well, now I see where this is coming from. And I think there's a lot of opportunities here for this season, which is exactly what we kind of hope for, that you want to turn the tier list somewhat on its head. You don't have to, like, you know, knock Akuma down to Dan tier or anything like that. I want to, you know, cry any tears if that happened, but... What I'm saying is that you do want enough change between seasons where people really feel like there's a new there's a new fresh angle to go after. There's something that like, hey, there's a there's a good reason to pay attention to the tournament scene. There's a good reason to try other characters out and experiment with some stuff versus just seeing, you know, a handful of the same characters up and on the list over and over again. And and why we started the discussion with Cami here is that was a huge problem. There was not enough reason to go explore other characters, and we're starting to see that. Um, so yeah, it's a good look. Yeah, and, and and so a couple characters that really ran rampant, I think, in season three, um, were Manat and Abigail. Uh, I I have a very uh, they're very close, near and dear to my uh, personal experiences here in Street Fighter Five. Uh, Manat still being played, so is Abigail. Uh, both characters got hit very hard, uh, and I think pretty much for good reasons. Um, uh, ZJZ was the uh, LCQ winner uh, with Manat at uh, Capcom Cup, and uh, he's actually dabbling now a little bit with Cami, but he's still using you know V Trigger One Manat three bars, all that kind of stuff, and doing okay with her um uh, i i look specifically to see how many people are using v trigger 2 with Manat. i didn't see a single person use it yet uh doesn't mean it won't show up now but i i mean it kind of has to two bar v triggers are <laughs> you and your v trigger well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a it's a good it's a really good move and it's like if you have a two bar v trigger versus a three bar like the two bars like it should always be a viable choice in some matchups you know it has to be you can't just stick with a three bar in every matchup in the game you would think like i don't care how good it is like if you've got that option you need to explore it right uh, at least that would be my assumption but i'm feeling refreshed with where the game is at you know we had zeku take his first major of season four uh in the first major of season four like zeku took it like who saw that one coming and, and you look at the buffs that zeku got and you know he's got some good ones in there but it's mainly they, they made old zeku better because uh, he pretty much sucked and, and like even now like you still see some people like start off the the match and like they immediately switch to young zeku but you're you're seeing him hang in there a little bit more and, and anyway so it's just nice to see some fresh stuff going on in the game. It's it's where I hoped it would be. You know, we've got final round coming up here very soon. I'm hoping to see more of the same and not just like Cami, you know, Manat and and the same characters we've been seeing for the last you know year basically. And one more thing to say uh, to the the whole birdie thing, and I think it goes in line with what you're talking about the shifting around of tears and such. A couple of his really bad matchups, Manat, Guile. Um, were nerfed in 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 his favor, right? Because Minot and Guile received some nerfs, and that just only goes further in his corner. I have to wonder because uh, I don't know off the top of my head, and if you do, um, please feel free to chime in. But how does he do against the likes of you know uh, Bison, Rashid, Urian? I think he's pretty good against Shotos. I think he has a lot of answers for what Shotos want to do. Um, but it's those other kind of unconventional abuki, maybe. Um, it's I think a, a big part of if he's the best is going to come down to how he does against those top tiers. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we have a lot of evidence of how Birdie did against Takuma with Tokido uh, at Capcom Cup, and the character hasn't changed that much. Um, as you said, he does well against Shotos, um, against against Bison and other stuff. I don't see him having really hard matchups anymore because again, a lot of those characters got that uh, got nerfed at least to some degree. Bison not included there, um, but he he's just fun to mentally like he doesn't have a lot of problems unless you're really good at zoning him out uh that's the characters that he he struggled with before again guile not those type of people um 
he tends to play everyone else either like even or like has the advantage and and I'm starting again to see why why they're calling him number one. I'm afraid of Mena now, man. Yeah. Um, because Mena Mena is great at reading people. Oh yeah. Like he's as much as you go well, a lot of those are just random guesses that could have gone not in his favor. Yeah, but they go in his favor so yep. much. He's got he's on that special sauce or something, man. He like he he has an ability there. And now with Birdie being where he's at, um, I I. I so here's a pitfall that Mena might fall into. I think you still need to play him about 30% crazy and 70% solid, and I don't think that Mena might... I think his distribution might be a little different there, and that might not work for him. But it might, and if it does, he might be a huge threat this year. So mm-hmm. definitely someone to watch out for. I think Mena's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder after how he performed last year. And uh, I spoke with him a little bit at Capcom Cup. I uh, didn't get into a lot of the, the particulars and stuff, but uh, the guy, he carries himself with an edge. You can you can get very successful in life and get complacent, right? And where things are, mm-hmm. you know, well, I, I did this and I'm good, you know. And uh, watching Mena walk around and the way he conducts himself, I don't see him being a complacent kind of dude. <laughs> I will just say that. Um, I think he went through some stuff this last year, you know, and, and uh, I don't want to get into those, you know, personal det- details and all that, but... Um, he went through enough stuff that I think kind of threw him off his game. Uh, I think people downloaded him a little bit. Um, but as you say, I would not be shocked, especially with where, where Birdie is at right now, to see him kind of come storming back this year and and, and be a top 10, top 5 you know, uh, Capcom uh, Street Fighter Five player. It'll be interesting. And, and one other thing I guess I kind of alluded to earlier, but this Evo Japan presentation, it's really kind of gotten things stirred up a little bit for Street Fighter where we haven't had things stirred up. Um, they're not fully there yet where I would hope them to be right now, but it has, I think, we, we've kind of kicked off the tournament season and we're kind of coming up out of that lull, out of that valley. And so, um, yeah, I think there's a little bit more excitement going on now for the game, which is yep, good. There you go. All right, so now I wanted to get into why hating Street Fighter Five is cool. and Because and, and, <laughs> it is... Um, it is a thing that people love to hate on, right? I mean, there's even memes about this where, you know, people are complaining about, like, well, you know, the game doesn't have enough footsies. And they're like, well, play this title instead. They're like, no. And it's like, I want to hate on Street Fighter Five. That's what I want to do. And, okay, so yeah. I want to get into here to the reasons here and, and talk about why I think that that people are, are getting into the game, are digging into the game in a negative way. Uh, there's some obvious stuff that we've talked about, like lack of communication, all that, and less so that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's kind of like a narrative that you and I have, have really hit hard on. Uh, it's not the general sense of the community. It's definitely out there, but they usually are focusing on other things. So um, one of the things I, I will throw out there real fast is that it's, quote unquote, the new thing. And I still remember this with Street Fighter 4, where people were dogging that game for the longest time, even even near the end of its lifespan. If you were a Street Fighter 3 player or Street Fighter 2, or you, you enjoyed other titles, you thought this game was way too scrub-friendly, ultras were stupid, they did way too much damage. Um, uh, there was a player uh, in SoCal, uh, Kai, who played El Forte, and, and he was a very good Street Fighter 3 player, and he wanted to show how dumb Street Fighter 4 was, and so he played El Forte and just like tried to perfect people and troll them. He sat there with a smirk on his face the entire time uh, he played you and it was just so insulting and like and it was great it was great entertainment but but I mean it, it's as Street Fighter 4 went kind of through the, the lifespan of the product like people were like this is actually a very good game you know it, it took people a long time to appreciate it so one of the things I will throw out there first is that that it's cool to hate on the game because it's the new game and, and we're going to see the same thing with Street Fighter 6 do you think that's off base or do you think that's a reasonable statement no, I think that's part of the natural process that happens with probably most anything like this, not even fighting games alone, not even just video games. I think that 
Um, it's easy to look at what has happened before with rose-colored glasses. And to an extent, you know, the thing that happened before was successful enough to make the thing that happened now happen. Mm-hmm. So it's proved itself in a sense, and this current one hasn't necessarily done that. And I'm not speaking specifically about Street Fighter V. I'm just saying, like, when you're on the timeline and you're talking about something that evolves like this, where you're at now hasn't necessarily proven itself yet. And so it's easy to to say, you know, that the old one spawned a, a sequel. What has this, you know, now most recent entity or entry done? And uh, but yeah, it's it's always it's always easier to look back. I mean, we do that with almost all parts of our lives, unless there's a real specific reason. You look back on stuff a lot of times, and you go, you, you think about the positives more than you think about the negatives, at least for things like this. Mm-hmm. And um, but but you know, someone brings up, yeah, well, what about this and what about that? And they they bring down the bullet points of um, issues that happened, and it kind of brings things into a little bit more clear focus. And you go, yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, I, I, you know, I had a selective memory for a bit, and I think that that's 100% the case here, too. It, the next thing I'll get into is that it's different than past Street Fighter games, and different is often equated with bad. Uh, it does not meet people's expectations, and that's a big thing. It, it's, okay, so I enjoyed these past games here, and, and this does not have that same flavor and that same feel. That's bad. That's not okay that you guys did this. It's You, you did not meet what you should have done, and... and, and so how do you do that? How do you go and make a brand new game that, that matches people's expectations, but also adds enough new flavors and notes in there that gets people going? And I think that Street Fighter V really missed the boat in that regard because this is a fairly large departure from a traditional Street Fighter game. I've uh, been playing them a long time. Um, there's not a lot of defense in this game. Uh, it's very hard to to play a traditional zoning type thing. Uh, even even your traditional zoners like Guile and Manat, so to speak, in this game, they they are very anticipatory with their their moves. You're sticking out a lot of moves to to match people what they're doing. You're not relying as much on reactions and whiff punishing as you would in, in other titles. Uh, and and so that's that's one of the big things that I, I think people hate about the game is that it's so it's such a big departure from what they've expected uh, from other Street Fighter titles. It's a new venture in so many ways. It's this process where we're transitioning into esports and people are afraid of that. And they're going to see things on, on both. Like if you compare, well, what happens in Street Fighter V and what's happening right now as we move toward esports? Oh, well, I'm afraid with that esports move that they're going to dumb things down and put too many training wheels so that it's more open and so they make more money, but it's going to be at the expense of the competitive nature of the game. And that might be true to an extent. I think it is true to an extent. But you're also going to be looking for that too. And so you're probably going to see it um, uh, a little more extreme than it actually is. Mm-hmm. But yeah. One thing I, I absolutely cannot defend, and, and it, it's just terrible, and that's the launch of the game. Uh, it's probably the worst launch of any fighting game I can remember, at least major fighting game. You know, there might be something like, you know, Fighter 8. 20, you know, or something, some random title that someone put out there that, that's complete garbage on MS-DOS or something like that, right? Um, but but in terms of a major AAA game launch, this was horrible. You know, we, we started off with eight frames of legs. Uh, eight frames of leg, I should say. We started off with a beta that didn't Oh work. my gosh. <laughs> Uh, and, and yeah, we can list the, the issues, an incomplete game, eight frames of lag. There were a lot of issues with it that weren't just, you know, someone's opinion. It's like they were bad. They were, they were detrimental to the experience. They made the experience not fun. Some of them are still around, you know, how long it takes to load up stuff mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, and some of that kind of wish punishing guessy. You know, I, anyways, there, I think it boils down to Capcom did themselves no favors in way of charisma 
with the way that the community looks at their game. And they're kind of doing this across the board in fighting games. It happened so bad with Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite during production that even though the game came out and was, you know, by all by many accounts, it was very good as a game, the charisma was so low and the view of it was so low based on things that were outside of the core gameplay that it never even had a chance. And a big part of that was because of Street Fighter V's launch a year or two earlier and, and how bad that was. It just felt like the relationship that Capcom has had with the community in the last few years, with a few exceptions at certain times, has been very negative. And this is their fighting game community because we talk about how they're just like soaring over with Monster mm -hmm. Hunter and, and, and Resident Evil and such. It's like they can do it. They're just in their fighting games division. They haven't done any much in the way of getting the community on their side. And when the community is already like that, it's like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have these negative lenses on when they see anything that you do, and you're gonna have to work twice as hard to make your successes feel as successful as they truly as they as they should be. And anything like any little hiccup and such is going to be magnified as far as the people's reaction to it. And Capcom has been sitting in this. We talked earlier about how they're always playing catch up. It's just the general feel that comes around their game. So, like I said, it's it's like an automatic nerf to successes and buff to failures uh, as far as the way people interpret the happenings of your uh, surrounding your game the first impression is so important you you that leaves a lasting impression with people and if you initially tried the game like what else you know did you do and it's always an uphill climb from that point right you, you you're setting yourself up for a more challenging situation as you just mentioned it's what is a lot of people still have in their heads and and that's it's just one point that i don't have a good counterpoint to besides like get good and get better at that Capcom. You know, um, it's first impressions are a big deal. You know, don't do that. Uh, your review scores stay up there permanently on Metacritic. Uh, anyone could go back and look at those and see how bad you failed. Uh, and, and there's plenty of examples of, you know, Dragon Ball fighters and Mortal Kombat 11, what they're doing right now. It's like, it can be done, guys, and the other dudes are doing it. So you better jump on before you lose your status as top dog or before you slide out of, you know, just out into obscurity if you if you let it go far enough. So something that we see, and we see this on event hubs and we see it other places as well, uh, you see people talking crap about Street Fighter V and then you jump on and you see them on ranked. You see them talking about new mains they're working on, new tech and other stuff they're doing like a few days later, a few days, a few weeks later, like I hate this game, but I'm playing it. You know? <laughs> and, and so some of this is, you know, uh, we'll get into this here in a minute, like as a peer pressure type thing, but also... It, it, it's I go back to why it's cool to rip on Street Fighter Five. Like you get a bunch of likes, you get a bunch of retweets on Twitter and all that. Like, oh, this game is stupid, and you get reactions. You get people that have opinions about this game. And, and are you gonna blow anybody specifically up for this? I or mean, is it just a general kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Here, let's just use someone that never would do this. We'll say it's Sanford Kelly doing this kind of thing, talking about the game like this on Twitter, because we know that Sanford wouldn't do this. So Sanford Kelly quotation marks kind of complaining about it saying he doesn't like it doesn't like this character but then a day later is talking about what yeah i mean yeah i'm i'm, I'm not gonna go in on sanford because i've got i got in on him <laughs> enough maybe but you will definitely see people in the community that will go nameless from me um you know doing this stuff and some of my friends do it too like i'll be like either like, i hate this game it's bull crap and literally i'll jump on and you know i'll be playing you know ranked and stuff and i'm like oh you know so and so is online and they're playing right now and trying to ranked up and, and all that kind of stuff and it's it's crazy it's crazy amount but again it, it street fighter is a polarizing game a uh, street fighter five i should say uh it, it's you, you kind of either um, 
you kind of either love it or hate it or like you, at least you say that you know it, it's very few people are just kind of like okay with the game and putting that opinion out there again like what, what are you typing on twitter you're like yeah i'm okay with street fighter 5 well no one's gonna read that tweet you've got to have something intense to put out there right <laughs> yeah. and so that's that's kind of what i think a lot of the the why it's cool to do it it's it's you want to see your like counter go up you want to see your you know retweet counter go up like that's that's a big appeal for people right now in 2019 um and again, putting those opinions, putting those hard takes out there, that's our hot takes or whatever you want to say, that's what it does. But there's also this kind of peer pressure aspect out there that you've been kind of addressing here where you feel to an extent you have to play Street Fighter V because your friends do. Can you speak to that a bit? Well, if the commu- if it's the main game, you know, it's the last game in the lineup and such, then there's a certain appeal to it just because of its status there. And as much crap as we've talked about it and as much uh, as many failures um, versus successes as we've seen, it remains to be, you know, the sort of the torchbearer and it, it retains that status. Uh, we've talked about how it's it, it's in jeopardy of potentially losing that status, but it, I don't think it has yet. Um, and I think that it's still got a ways to go before something like that would actually come to fruition. But yeah, as the top game, it's it's hard to go against it. It's one thing to be able to kind of talk crap about it and and use that in your social you know circles. But at the end of the day, when people get together and they're still all playing it, it becomes a necessary part of you being part of the community. Uh, and and Street Fighter V within the fighting game community represents a very big and significant circle, and you still a lot of people want to be in that circle. Yes. For me, I want to be able to uh, I still want to be able to play and go and, and and play in a competitive Street Fighter game when we have tournaments and and local events, and I want to be able to have that back and forth, and I want to be able to go to you know Canes after we uh, after we have a, a local here and talk about who won and who should a one and what people have been practicing and how so-and-so has leveled up and, and got third when they usually don't even get in the top 16 all that stuff if i just completely poo-poo away from street fighter 5 i have to either jump into another game with uh with maybe people i don't know uh or or you know i i don't get to be in that circle as much anymore and so i think that some people don't like it to the extent that they're willing to get rid of that. But even like uh, I often bring up Driftwood because he's hated it from very early on and he's been very vocal about it in our community. He went from running tournaments and such to completely removing himself and going off and doing a complete other hobby. But sometimes he'll still come and it's mainly for the camaraderie. It's mainly for the car ride up to the event with the the guys, you know, and then hanging out and playing and gatekeeping and, and such. And there's more to it than just than just that gameplay experience. And so that's going to be something that's easy to talk about online. It's it's easy to get likes about, but the Street Fighter serves many more purposes than that. Fighting games serve many more purposes than that, and so it's gonna it wouldn't take more than just gameplay for a lot of people to actually get them to to leave and, and legitimately stop playing. Yeah, there's some resentment very clearly built up that this is a number one game in the community, right? Uh, the Capcom Pro Tour is a gold standard. We've talked about that endlessly. There's nothing close to it. You know, the, the money they throw out at it, the way Capcom does it and structured it, it's it's amazing. It's The, the Pro Tour is just really outstanding and the, the head of that, you know, stake is, is Street Fighter V. And with people feeling how they do about the game, they, they feel that pressure that you feel as you just talked about. I have to play this. I have to be involved with it. And again, it's just it, it's going to build up some will there, uh, especially when you don't fundamentally like how the game is built. But getting into that a little bit more here, 
I honestly feel one of the reasons why people hate on this game is that they don't actually properly understand it. They claim they do, but I will ask them, okay, well, what is the meta in the game? What are you looking for? What are you trying to do? And if I hear answers like footsies and, and whiff punish and other stuff, I go, I don't think you're really playing Street Fighter V anymore. I think you're trying to to take Street Fighter IV and, and put it into Street Fighter V, and that is not this game. And, and it's a very different type of Street Fighter title. Um, and I think a lot of the, again, a lot of the hate, a lot of the anger, I think, comes from not understanding this game and not embracing it for what it is. And and, and I, I don't know, I just it's something I see a lot of. Uh, how do you see it on your end? Well... I think you got to go a little bit deeper in that and say, well, then what is it? Is it okay? So if someone, if you ask someone and they go, well, I'm looking to play footsies and, and old, I guess you should say traditional street fighter. And I can't do that here. It's like, well, you're right. But what's their answer supposed to be? It's like, I'm looking to do just do it moves and <laughs> do 50 fifties and hope that they work. And if they work, then, then they're in favor because I think there are a lot of people that do heavily analyze. And those that do heavily analyze are more the ones that, um, are, are not as happy with the game because they have that expectation right. and they've done the the hardcore analysis on the old games and this game and they don't like where this game offers. Like It's like, I don't want to just jump in and do spinning mixer and, and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, I'm in and I push them towards the corner for, for almost no risk at all. Stuff like that. you know. Uh, but, I, but I would think that a lot of the people that don't like it still can articulate why they don't like it and it's and that's that's why they don't it's because they they have an expectation and they know that this game doesn't fulfill it so the answer to your question here is, is so people ask what the meta is and again the the meta the answer to it is is risk reward you have to fundamentally understand um, what you're risking when you throw a move out there and what reward you potentially get with that and street fighter traditionally has been about low risk uh don't jump don't put commitment moves out there. Uh, have a way of making everything safe. Um, don't do that kind of stuff. A, a very, you know, more defense and calculator type thing. And that's not Street Fighter Five. You better bet it. You because the reward for betting it and and putting your your nose in there and understanding um, that yeah, you might be punished, but if you do four hundred damage to the opponent versus them only doing you know two hundred to you, that's probably a good risk worth taking given the context of the match. How much meter do you have? How much life do you have? That kind of stuff. And to this very day, I don't see a lot of people talk about this. So, like they, they they get hung up again on like, well, I can't play it like you know I did Street Fighter Four or Street Fighter Three, and I'm like, I get that it's a very different game. Like I, I still don't hear a lot of people embracing the tech of it, the the um, the meta of it. I I've heard Infiltration do it. I've heard Justin Wong do it. I've heard Tokido do it. I've heard the players having a lot of success do it. You know, One Strider also comes to mind. A uh, Smug as well. Um, those players seem to understand the game and to embrace it for what it is. Uh, and again, a, a lot of the people who don't, you know, seem to understand that have gotten left behind, it seems like. And, and that just kind of seems like the natural cycle of fighting games. Like this is, it happened to Street Fighter 3 players. It's like, I don't like the way Street Fighter 4 plays. You know, the parry system is is was so godlike because of all the layers and all that kind of stuff in there. And, and, and SF4 does not have that. I can't get over that. And I, you know, I've gotten left behind. I'm not going to play this game anymore. And yeah. So I think what that just kind of comes down to is that people want to play a game uh, and because they have the expectations of traditional Street Fighters, that they, that's what they know and that's what they want and that this this doesn't offer yeah. that. It, and and that's kind of where it starts. Yeah, I mean, it, and it does. And, and, and that's your opinion, Ed. I wish more people would channel that into, again, more logical thought. Twitter, you know, being the, the limited character thing and, again, rewarding the the outrage and the shot culture and stuff that we're in right now. I get it. I think that, again, it's it's a huge reason. The, the Twitter CEO actually even talked about that. Um, uh, Jack Dorsey, I think is his name. And he said mm -hmm. that, that our platform 
rewards you for for putting out those hot takes and intense opinions. It, it actually it incentivizes you to do that kind of stuff because you get more followers, you get more people, you know, checking stuff out, like you checking the impressions on your tweets and stuff, and see what people are looking at, what things. You know, that stuff is is heavily incentivized, and and so you you start to wonder. Um, and I'm I'm really going to dig myself a hole here very quickly if I'm not careful. But we were talking about Ghostbusters the other day and, and about the new Ghostbusters film and about you know the um, the female cast and all that kind of stuff and the, the things that went out there uh, and and John shared a video here with me that that talked about how low the percentage was of, of oh, did you watch yeah it? I did watch it um, of of all the people that were actually complaining about the stuff and being misogynistic and being you know crappy versus the people who just like you know watched the trailer and all that kind of stuff it was a very low percentage but people got super hung up on that they got super hung up on the the loud squeaky wheel basically and, and mm-hmm. I wonder still like how much of that is in in is in our culture at this moment in time. And if we're collectively not looking at the right metrics, like let's look more at, you know, the, the entrance to a tournament and how many people are playing this and like how many people are playing street fighter five compared to street fighter four, you know, and, and it, and how much of that is due to, you know, the, the fighting game community growing and, and being a better thing in the Capcom pro tour and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's easy to boil it down to the game has no footsies and it sucks. You know, it's like that's easy. It's a yeah. hot take. You can put that out there on Twitter. It fits perfectly within those character limits we have. You know, uh, uh, but discussing this other stuff, it's it's hard. You know, it's hard, and it, it's our society is not rewarding that right now. Even at, with big budget movies, it's not rewarding that kind of nuanced discussion. It, it's a thread that runs through almost everything that gets brought up on you know in the general chat and on social media and such. Not just in the fighting game community, but this is a good example of it that we will take a we'll we'll have an emotional reaction to something and usually there's not enough analysis and it's not from enough angles but we'll have an emotional reaction a hot take we'll take that small sliver of information and say that you know it's like a it's like a 0.08% part of the pie and we'll highlight it and we'll make it as though it's the uh, it's the rule as opposed to like the one little part of it. And it's like, you know, if that's something bad, like if, if you're saying, well, there's this part of Street Fighter V that really sucks and takes away the gameplay competitiveness and such and, and it's Birdie's EX Bullhead and here's why and you can articulate it's like, good, then then that is something that needs to be acknowledged and it is something that needs to be changed, but that is not the 90% of the problem thing going on. But people will discuss it and they will highlight it as such. And that happens across the board because of what you were just talking about, the, the, the way Twitter and social media tend to work, the way that those kind of things will quickly float to the top because they do get a lot of charisma. They get a lot of acknowledgement, retweets. People love that. It plays on the emotions in the right way. And I just want to jump in and say we're guilty of this too. I mean, you look at the headlines and the banners on event hubs and we play that stuff up all the time because it's pe- what people want to see. We do try to couple it with some analysis and other things, but again, we're, we're guilty of it too. I, I want to be- make that really super clear. Yeah. Um, it's It's kind of how information travels. It's like, I won't get into like, you know, political stuff and whatnot, but I'll just say that uh, so so often a lot of the information that floats around out there uh, on, on any side of the fence, it's like to me, I, I can't even process it these days because it's like I think that's probably just like a tiny sliver of the pie and everything else is, is being kind of omitted so that we can highlight this as if it's the be all end all and it so often isn't. And so getting back to Street Fighter V, you go, you know, I have this one... Uh, example and and it's going to get a lot of attention if I put it out there so I will you do that enough times and it's heavily going to contribute but that's part of I'm sorry I should say it's heavily going to contribute 
to the the way the community sees this game. Um, even those that are being quiet and not the ones that are contributing to this loud voice, they're still seeing this happen and, and play out on social media. They're still seeing the trends. And if you're not constantly reminding yourself that this is the, uh, what do you call it, the vocal minority, it, it, it's very powerful. It's very powerful to influence. Um, and we brought up charisma earlier. It's part of the game. Whether it's deserved or not, it's part of the game. And you have to have charisma in the eyes of your fans so that when people start talking about you on social media, there's a good chance that there's going to be some good mixed in with the bad mm -hmm. because you know the bad's going to be there. But if you have people talking about you in a positive light, that's that's really important here in 2019. And, um, and whether or not it's fair, it doesn't matter. It's part of the game. So you need to get on that and play it right, Capcom, and get people positively talking about your game somehow. And, and, and again, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm blowing us up for some of the stuff we've done on the website because of not offering enough nuance and stuff. And it's one of the reasons how come we do the podcast. Uh, you guys know this, this comes in at least over an hour pretty much every week. Uh, and we're looking at expanding out even further and doing more episodes. Um, this is something that's important to us. You know, we're, we're trying to get better at it as well. Um, the, the fact that this type of reaction and culture is rewarded, like, uh, we don't believe in sweeping things under the rug and like, oh, you know, we're not going to talk about it because it makes us look bad. You know, it's like, no, it's like, we, we, we're, we're going to look bad too. We, we want to get better. We want to level up just like you guys are. And, and, and this stuff is important for us to, to analyze and try to improve. Uh, again, it's one of the reasons how can we have this pod? It's, it's like, how can we deep dive into these subjects and level up with them and get better and make ourselves better and hopefully help, you know, the community as well. Um, and, and so there it is. It, it's, um, and so w we always welcome your guys' feedback, you know, always hit us up if you feel like, you know, uh, you want to on Twitter, we check out the comments, we, we check out this stuff to see what you guys are saying. Um, there are not, are not a lot of easy answers. I wish there were, uh, uh, but, you know, continue to, to, Try to discuss this stuff amongst yourselves uh, uh, and, and figure out, you know, better answers than the ones that we have right now. You know, try to find some some, some good, you know, angles and stuff to approach it. And, and you know, that's that's the stuff we'd love to hear from you guys. And, and um, you know, great stuff like we, we try to bring it up on the pod here. Uh, we try to bring it up in articles. Um, it will shape our meetings, actually, that we have about stories that we're working on. Um, we'll start discussing this very actively as a team. And you will start seeing, you know, those more of those type of stories and angles come up, like when that stuff happens. Uh, we're very much, again, uh, interested in, in very logical and, you know, calculated thought and stuff like that. We don't uh, just see. So you know, we don't pay too close of attention to the hot takes on Twitter and, um, and, and in our comments and stuff. If you want to blow us up and say, like, you know, Catalyst is a moron and all that. Like, I've only heard that about 500 times. So it, it's, you know, kind of falling on deaf ears there a little bit. But if you want to get in and really you know, help us unpack this stuff and offer new angles and thoughts, like, that is stuff we definitely read. Um, I actively look for those comments and kind of skim through the other ones that, you know, don't have that. Um, and, and really try to find that. And, and again, we'll get brought up. Like, we'll, we'll mention it in meetings and stuff of that nature. Yeah. And one other thing, something kind of positive uh, after all of that negativity about how the community views the game and such, it's like, well, actions speak the loudest. And, um, and at the end of the day, people are still playing the game. Mm -hmm. They're still showing up to the events. They're still engaging with it. Um, it is fun to hate it. And, and there have been times where I've let my emotions speak uh, and, and and maybe it's like some of what I have to say is true, but I'll let I'll I won't be nuanced enough about it because I just played some random you know someone online I just played online and it didn't go my way or whatever something like that, but um, the end of the day we're all still playing the game and um, and so I think that's a big indicator of success or failure or quality 
um, to an extent. It's not everything, for sure. And it doesn't mean just because people are playing it that it's good, but it's a significant part of things, and I think you have to acknowledge it. And so, yeah, people are still showing up, so that's a good sign. There we go. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Thank you so much again for listening, and we will see you guys again soon. Goodbye.